Here's how it works when trying to figure out who your favorite baseball club is going to be targeting in the offseason. Make up a list of the positions that they need. Make up a list of the potential free agents at that position. Cross them all off and then get started. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. And I don't know why you wouldn't be. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. First base is the position of need for this team. doesn't mean it's the only one. It just means it's the principal one. For me, it's going to be the defining one when it comes to showing how serious or not they're going to be about competing, although we already know that answer and had it confirmed over the weekend by Ben Charrington. First base is the one thing upon which everyone seems to agree. Charrington is acknowledged wanting to get help at first base and catcher and a whole bunch of pitching. Those are words, but those are the words that came out. Derek Shelton has said first base. It's come from pretty much everybody in the clubhouse as well, as disrespectful as that might sound to others who've played first base for the Pirates of late. But who's it going to be? Who are the targets? Well, even though it's a waste of time, I'll mention that among the free agents out there are Carlos Santana, Jesus Aguilar, Miguel Sano is expected to be available because the Twins aren't going to pick up his club option, according to most reports. Now, that'd be interesting in and of itself for a whole bunch of reasons. And those of you who aren't aware of that saga, type Miguel Sano and my name into the Google engine. And you'll find a pretty compelling storyline as to why he should have been a pirate all along. He won't be, though. He won't be. Neither will the other guys. Neither will other free agents. It's just not how they operate in general. And even if you go past Bob Nutting being cheap, it's not the right time for that sort of thing, according to Charrington. I don't agree with it at all. But there it is. Even though, if you look back at this past season, the Pirates' first baseman had a collective 601 OPS, the absolute pits of the universe when it came to production from that position, which is supposed to be obviously a significant one for you when it comes to offense. The catchers had an OPS of 531. Now, in fairness there, Roberto Perez was hurt, obviously, early on. But also, in fairness, Charrington could have done something more than to conduct a summer-long tryout at the position in replacing Perez. Didn't do that. So what will they actually do as opposed to what they should do? This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. 
It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Solutions internally are limited, to be kind. Uh, there's not a lot going on in terms of first baseman. Uh, some of us, and I'm not going to exempt myself from this, got at least a little bit hopeful about Mason Martin whenever he was clubbing a few home runs on his way up the system, and then he stagnated hard in Altoona, and that unfortunately does happen to some players. Even if you have the kind of light tower power that that kid's got, you've got to be able to make contact more than, you know, (laughs) half the time. Martin is not going to be protected from the Rule 5 draft. Somebody's going to take a chance on him, and even if they don't and he stays in the Pittsburgh system for whatever reason, he's not going to be somebody who's here. I hate to do that, but that's the way that one looks. Could you see the team making it through most of a spring training and then waiting till the last second to give Daniel Vogelback a call the way they did this past spring, signing him with like three days to go in the whole session. He just happened to be down the road in Fort Myers, told me this whole story the day he came up. I was there when he arrived and brought his stuff and showed up looking as every bit as casual and every man as he tends to do. And just started hitting the ball and, of course, running up the highest pitches per plate appearance figure in all of baseball. Went to New York, became a folk legend with the Mets for about, oh, three weeks or so. And then that dissipated. Uh, Yeah, they might do that. That's a very Pirates-like thing to do. But what if I throw this at you, too? What if I throw at you a reminder, and this was... One of those things that only the people that are paying obsessive attention to the team would recall anyway, that Ben Gamble and Kevin Newman and others have been tried at first base by the team, meaning before games, infield practice, that sort of thing. Not that either of them profiles at that position either in terms of productivity, certainly not in terms of power. I mean, Gamble's got a little bit, and every once in a while, Newman runs into one, but that's not it either. They're going to keep Newman, as I mentioned on yesterday's show. I really believe that, uh, even though he'll be an arbitration guy and it'll cost more than five cents. Gamble, I'm not anywhere near as sure about. He dipped a little bit in terms of his production this year. And if you were thinking about him from the leadership standpoint or whatever, there's something to be said there. But then he's also been here for 200 lost seasons. And who's listening to someone who partook in that, right? Anyone else we could throw into that mix? Somebody else who could move over and and just play the position? Nowhere does it say that whoever's at first base has to be some Popeye-looking muscle man or whatever. You can have just a good player over there. You could have somebody who can hit. What about Diego Castillo, who will show you on a consistent basis that he can make really good defensive plays? And at the same time, doesn't appear to have a steady position, even as a remote possibility across the diamond. Maybe someone like that. Here's another one. 
boy, this is going to rile some people up, but whatever. If Andy Rodriguez is your catcher of the future, and he is, and you have a 1-1 in your system in Henry Davis, meaning first overall pick, and he doesn't seem to be as certain when it comes to staying behind the plate, why not just start playing him at first base? He kind of does have that built. Now, what you wouldn't like about that is that you'd be wasting an 80 arm. He can throw the ball like to an extreme. And if you're going to have him in the field, you want him somewhere where he can use that first base. It doesn't come in handy all that often. Just throwing stuff out there because I can guarantee you that that's their plan as well. When we come back, J1Q. Q comes from Christopher Conlog who asks, What's Ben Charrington talking about by saying, quote, a town like Pittsburgh? End quote. Pittsburgh has a bigger metropolitan area population than Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Cincinnati. Charrington's going to get run out of town. Well, yeah. And it amazes me that after three years on the job, three full years, that it wouldn't occur to him to not impugn the city just because the Pirates don't have a willingness or an eagerness to win. I want to share with you, this is going to sound like it's got nothing to do with this, but it does. And aside here, I got a long email from a longtime reader slash listener, and I take those seriously no matter what what they'll say, whether it's, hey, you're, you know, you're awesome or your stuff is just trash or whatever. I, I Chances are they wouldn't be long time anything if that were the case. But look, some of them get angry, right? And I read them all. And I read this one intently. And one of the things that this individual brought up with me that struck a chord, even though I completely disagreed and still do, was that he felt that I was taking too strong a stance on certain things, that I was going over the top in accusing, for example, Charrington of not wanting to win. That sounded to him like a personal assault on Charrington's character. So I'm going to take your question and his remark and twin that into this statement. I am basing this only with what I am actually seeing. There isn't urgency for this team to win in Pittsburgh right now, even though, per my opinion, and whatever that's worth to anyone, doesn't have to be worth anything, this team is more than prepared to go and get a first baseman, three or four relievers, and one more starter. And oh, by the way, bring back Roberto Perez to be a stopgap behind the plate until Andy Rodriguez clears his Super 2 arbitration period. Do you know how much that'll cost? What I just described there, do you know what that would cost 
even if the Pirates got super ambitious, it would probably only raise their payroll by about $20 million, max $30 million over what it was this past season. And you know and I know they can handle that because we've seen all of the pertinent revenue sharing numbers. So when I say or write something like Charrington isn't serious about winning or doesn't come across as urgent about it or that he's going to punt on next season, I'm not getting personal. It's nothing but professional. The next unpleasant personal encounter that I have with this man will be the first. He's been awesome. He is extremely personable. He's really easy to talk to. And I have no doubt that he's got the know-how, the experience, and in a way, a will to get the pirates where they would need to be. What I'm calling into question here is the urgency And I have a problem with calling into question someone's urgency when it comes to competitive sports. The urgency should be intrinsic. It should be coursing through your veins. You should want to have a conniption when you see your team getting pasted 18 to 2, 18 to 4, 20 to nothing, whatever it was over this past season. Because it happened so many times that I don't even have a good, healthy example to single out for you. That should bug you. And at the same time, when you go out to Dodger Stadium and you not only sweep LA, but you outplay them in every single facet. That's something that should spark some kind of reaction, not what he'd have the following day in Pittsburgh and basically downplaying the whole thing. That's my worry here. It's not a shot. It's not a whatever, you know, assassination of who he is. I just wonder if that's the right mindset. And to carry that into saying a town like Pittsburgh, that's just not knowing where you are. That's that's just not looking around and seeing what the Steelers and Penguins do. Yeah, they have cap leagues. I get that there's a difference, but they're also competitive. They're also competitive in their spirit, and they would never denigrate the city in any way. You were right. Pittsburgh and St. Louis are the same size. I hear constantly, anytime I make that comparison, St. Louis has all kinds of regional grasp of this and that and whatever. So what? So what? So does Pittsburgh in a lot of different ways. Denver is in that bracket. San Diego is in that bracket. Did you know that San Diego is actually like right there, almost the exact same size as Pittsburgh as a metro market. But you don't hear anyone referring to those teams as that. You know why that is? Yeah, that's right. They're competitive in every way. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. (laughs) 